0: So I have a question for you today, and that is, as we were encouraged already to consider Lent, and uh, I'm thinking there might be some that didn't get a copy of this last week, so we'll just have you pass that around if you did get a copy of the Lent uh, handout. It gives you some reflections for Lent, and I just really encourage you to kind of lean into that and use it as an opportunity for preparation as David was saying earlier, um, you know, I think it's a, I think it's quite um, an important um, c- concern, you know, that we don't just rush into Easter. Like it's so profound um, a remembrance that we'll have at Easter time. That I think uh, it really is good that we we do a little bit of heart uh, preparation. You know, this week uh, you come across these little nuggets sometimes on Facebook or other places. And this week I came across one I just thought was really quite, uh, quite fun. It, it said this. Someone's just thrown a bottle of omega-3 tablets at me, but I only received superfish oil injuries. So you can process, process that. I know that one's a bit hard to swallow. Um, don't we live in a super fish oil society? You know, when you really think about it, I mean, there are some profound things, profound concerns, or campaigns, or or petitions going on. I mean, there 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 are some important things, but in in many many ways, we do live in a super fish oil society, if we're honest and the. The Lord's Prayer, I think, really equips us to, be, to, to have roots, to, to be stable, to be people of depth, spiritual depth, uh, in, a, in a society that um, can really tribul- trivialize a lot of things. We're, what we see in our society, I think, is that we're going to go one way or the other. We're either traumatized or it's trivialized, right? But the Lord's Prayer really equips us, so I'd like us to share it together, and then we're going to explore another phrase. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is quite a profound prayer that we have, and we've been, I think, seeing that it's not just um, a pattern only, but as we unpack the different phrases, it opens up to us different aspects of prayer that, that we've looked at. A few weeks ago, this really stuck with me, David made this comment. I think it really captures a lot. Kingdom living requires kingdom praying because the prayer that Jesus gave, not only is it set in the Sermon on the Mount um, that has the topic of the kingdom, but it is is designed to help us uh, lean into life uh, in God's kingdom. And what we're considering today is this um, little phrase in verse 10 that God's will, uh, last week, sorry, last Sunday we talked about God's will would be done. And now, this week, uh, the next phrase that follows right on its heels, on earth as it is in heaven. We, we thought last week about the idea that though we pray for God's will to be done, at least from our human perspective, there appears times where the, our prayers remain unanswered. Is, is God's will really being done? Uh, that's, that's a legitimate question for us to wrestle with. And now we consider what does it mean that God's will would be done in, in the same way here as it, as it is done in, in heaven or, or in God's eternal plans. And I think it really invites us into a place of prayer that is much more quiet uh, and contemplative. It's, it's a, a kind of place of prayer where we're not necessarily asking uh, not, and not just listening, we'll, we'll specifically talk about listening next week, but, but to really contemplate how God is, um, h- how he's acting in my life and in, in the world around me. When you hear the wor- word contemplation, you might think of some of these synonyms, uh, English synonyms that are, that are understandable for this term are thoughtful, pensive, reflective, meditative, introspective, wrapped, or lost in thought. Um, we might even say to someone, you look like you're a million, have you ever said that? You look like you're a million miles away. And, um, and, and, and sometimes that person is just lost in some, some deep thought or contemplation, right? Um, but in his book on prayer, Robert Foster says, when, when we come to this aspect of prayer that is contemplation, or I'll I'll often say throughout today, uh, contemplative prayer, he suggests we could think of it as this, loving attentiveness to God. Now that's very compact, but it's got a lot uh, involved with that phrase, loving attentiveness attentiveness to God. And so I'm going to bring that up on on a number of occasions. I really like that expression of contemplative prayer. I'm not so fond of what he went on in that same chapter to say that, you know, in essence, you know, if, uh, uh, hey kids, don't try this at home, is sort of what he was saying. He said, until you've gotten to a much more mature place in your Christian journey, maybe contemplation is not going to be something that you could fully enter into or or should. And and I, I take exception with that because I think loving attentiveness is a vital experience for every believer. Whatever stage we're at, I think we can be lovingly attentive uh, to God. If you think of it in the physical, um, the, the most mature adult can be lovingly attentive to their parent, but, but so can a, a very young child can have a loving attentiveness to their parent, right? Um, and, and so I think we need to think in, in those terms as we're thinking about contemplation And that kind of prayer uh, uh, in our relationship with God. So I want to share with you three things about this idea of loving attentiveness. The first thing, I think, is we need to understand the criteria for contemplation. What is the criteria? And I think it is simply this. It is the divinely revealed truth of God. And for this, uh, I'd like to invite you over to Psalm uh, the 1st. Is that correct? Psalm 1, Psalm 1, and uh, just allow me to read it, and then I'll point out why I think um, this psalm gives to us uh, really a criteria, the core criteria for contemplative prayer. This is what the psalmist writes, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous." For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I believe this psalm helps us see uh, how God's truth, and it's expressed here in verse 2 as the law of God or um, the the truth of God. We could say the word of God, um, his, his divinely revealed truth about who he is. That's core. It has to be core to our contemplation. I would even go so far as to say without God's word, we really can't engage with God in in deep ways. We need him to reveal himself to us. We don't sit quietly and ponder and come up with great ideas about God because that's not how we uh, are in our human nature. We needed God to reach out to us with his truth. There's some dangers out there today. Um, There's different meditative theories or practices, there's mindfulness theories, and, and a lot of these uh, are encouraging us to, to make an uh, empty space in our head, I suppose it's easier for some people than others, and there's an empty space, and then it can be filled by all kinds of notions, and And I I would argue that when we come to contemplative prayer, it's not being invited to just make an empty space in our lives, in our thinking, in our hearts, but it's, It's meant to make a God space, right? More space for God. Uh, Notice what the psalmist says here in verse 1. The person who focuses and contemplates God's word, they're a blessed person. They're living a right-side-up life. They're blessed. They're fortunate. Congratulations, we could say to them, because by the gospel, they've been put right-side-up. They're in sync with God's kingdom. They also live with a sense of loving attentiveness. And that's the verse I really want to draw uh, to your attention is verse 2. Delighting in God's law, meditating, pondering. Um, here we can take the lesson from the bovines, right? The, uh, a cow will, will chew and then it'll swallow, or but only part way. Uh, and I know I had to bring that up again. And they bring it up, right? And they, what do they do? They ruminate on it, right? They ruminate, chew chew it over. And um, this this is maybe one way of understanding this, pondering and reflecting and digging deep into who God is. And then, of course, as a result, uh, their life, instead of being futile because of punishment, it's actually a a flourishing life. As I was reading uh, a book on prayer this week, I came across a quote Uh, from this author, I don't know this author nor his book, but I was quite taken with these thoughts that he wrote down. The gospel tells us that the kingdom of God is within us first of all. we can look to Luke chapter 17, 21. And then he says this, it's Anthony Bloom who writes this, if we cannot meet God within in the very depth of ourselves, our chances of meeting him outside ourselves are very remote. I'll Let me finish this comment and then I'll circle back to it. He goes on to say, so it is inward we must turn. I don't mean that we must go inward in the way one does in psychoanalysis or psychology. It's not a journey into my own inwardness. It's a journey through my own self in order to emerge from the deepest level of myself into the place where he is, the point at which God and I meet. And I I, I would suggest that It's ironic that there are some contemplative practices that are scripted, and they're like religious rites, and ironically, people are going through certain rituals on the outside, but does that guarantee that they're meeting God on the inside? And I think Anthony Bloom makes a great comment here, where we first need to be in a deep relationship with God, very deep in the core of our being, because we can't just meet God by doing rituals or doing outward practices. We've got to know him deep in our hearts. So the first criteria for contemplation is how God brings his word, his truth, into our experience, and we're invited to really be lovingly attentive to who he is, how he's working in our world, in our lives. The other thing that I wanted to share is I think there's a companion for contemplation. Uh, what do you think is the companion that goes along with contemplation? Isn't it rather obvious? If I'm going to, you know, if you say, okay, Pastor Brent, you're asking me to, to ponder, to think, to be quiet, to, uh, lovingly uh, be attentive to God. Well, that's going to mean some stillness. That's going to mean some silence. I better get alone, I better get rid of distractions, and I, I would agree with you, we, we are bombarded by noise, uh, there's lots of frenzied activity around us, when I was away on holiday a couple weeks ago, probably uh, just one thing that I didn't do that week that gave me lots of rest was I didn't drive, one week without driving, uh, that, that's good for mental health, isn't it, um, And and, and so we're bombarded. So obviously, you know, silence, stillness, some of these things would be great companions so that we can really contemplate God in prayer. But I want to point us um, to something that's really, really important. Because if we're not careful, we could just think, oh, contemplative prayer, that's just like a monastic lifestyle. And there's many examples of monks. I've got one picture here. I tried to find some pictures I just chose this one because it really kind of paints a picture. It it uh, would appear to be a very lonely existence. You think of a monk, um, uh, Orthodox monks in Greece. There's many places where they reside, but one is a peninsula that's closed off. Only men can go to this peninsula. Um, the monks are cloistered away there. It, it's quite a unique and even even kind of a odd. Uh, lifestyle and we think well then contemplation is not for me because if if that's what it if that's what it means that's not my lifestyle I can't just pick up and and go off to a monastery Theophilus was the patriarch of Alexandria and and in the early centuries of the church and he wrote a letter in AD 400 and he gave this instruction to monks monks if they wish to be what they are called will love silence and the universal faith, for nothing at all is more important than these two things. And so Theophilus was suggesting that just to be silent and away from the hubbub uh, was equal to our actual faith in Jesus. I think there's a much more important companion uh, to contemplation, uh, and I want to share about that. I'm turning over to John chapter 14 uh, the text will be behind me as well. But if you want to turn, I'm starting at John 14 and verse 15. Jesus says this, and I find this interesting, that it's also connected to God's revealed truth, because we're talking about being obedient to his commands. If you love me, you'll be obedient to what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will send you another counselor a companion, a comforter, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then just skip down to uh, verse 25. Uh, All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you, All things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So, much more important than just a quiet place is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we're really going to enter into contemplative prayer, if we're going to pause and ponder God. If we're going to engage with his truth, if we're going to reflect on him, if we're going to be lovingly attentive to him, then it has to be the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And this is where I think we see a wonderful combining of both the objective truth of God's word and then the subjective experience where the Holy Spirit points us to that truth and applies that to our hearts. I don't know if you've had that experience. You might be able to say, "Oh, I've I've read that passage ten times before, but today, when I was reading that, I was in a quieter place. There was an issue in my life, and it's like it opened up to me in a way that I've never really realized before. And God, uh, God became more profound to me, or God became clearer in this area of my life. And I think that's the word of revealed truth of God and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, as you." contemplate and and that's a sort of a prayerful uh, reflective experience and you're attentive and God's faithful and he he allows uh, himself to be more uh, um, uh, to and en- help us enter into a relationship with him in a deeper way in the person of the Holy Spirit we have God indwelling the believer confirming his truth offering us comfort guidance wisdom and I would argue just as we can't fully contemplate God without Him revealing Himself, we also cannot fully contemplate God in prayer without the ministry of the Holy Spirit helping us to do that. As, um, as you'll, you'll hear if you take some time to listen to uh, the prayer course, we've been encouraging you to listen to that, and the link is on uh, Digging Deeper. You'll hear there as well, we're not talking about you know emptying our minds we're actually talking about God being the one who fills our minds and our hearts as we take the opportunity to, to pray to him. So those are a couple of big concepts, God's revealed truth and, and the Holy Spirit. But I want to hopefully maybe give this a little bit more practical application for how we might uh, engage in this in our day-to-day experience. And so I just want to share with you the context for contemplation. It might sound so unattainable. That's okay, Pastor. You know we pay you to be more contemplative, so we don't have to be right. Um, I I used to say that to a friend of mine. He was often going on spiritual retreats or prayer days and things, uh, and I would say, James, oh, I'm so glad you're in my life. You know, I'm outsourcing my contemplative experience to you. You can come back from your retreat and tell me all, all the all of the insights, right? Um, I think. Contemplation might be an experience and a realm of prayer that is closer than we might imagine. I wonder if we're maybe even engaged in it, but we haven't thought, oh, that's contemplative prayer. Um, you can judge as I share some of these steps. We're, not, we're talking about a life of loving attentiveness, not just going into some spiritual nothingness, right? Dallas Willard said this, Um, This idea that the kingdom is among us is simply God himself and the spiritual realm of beings over which his will perfectly presides and and it's as it is in the heavens. So we're talking about the kingdom applied to our day-to-day experience just as we're pondering, what does it mean for God's will to be done uh, in heaven and on earth? So let me share with you, a couple of contexts for prayer and as i was thinking about this i thought there are different realms or, or contexts in which you might have be able to lean into c- the uh, contemplation more readily than another realm um, the idea of going away to a monastery maybe like myself i've done this once or twice um gone to mission went to the monastery um i, I was told you know you, you Give a little bit of money to stay there for the day. I didn't find anybody. I couldn't find any. I just went into a room. I stayed there, had a prayer day. But that might be kind of overwhelming. I went going to a monastery, getting a little room, being there from I don't know, nine till four p.m., not eating for the day, praying all day. That's that's weird. Does that sound weird to you? It was certainly, it's not necessarily where I feel um, comfortable or it's not natural for me. But I want to suggest that's probably only one of many ways where we can enter more into being contemplative. So let me just suggest these. I'll try and go through these fairly quickly. First of all, scriptural truth. Uh, You might be the type of person for whom taking in lots of content of God's truth uh, reading passages of Scripture helps you to ponder God more deeply. And so the context in which you can be more contemplative is to be taking in um, more Bible truth. Now, it's not necessarily Bible study, detailed Bible study or exegesis, but it's, it's um, getting into the content of God's Word. For example, we provided you with this flyer for Lent. There's passages there. You might find that it helps you to contemplate God because you've got that passage that you can read and that you can reflect upon. Another context is meaningful prayer. Um, I would suggest this could be, of course, personal, but also corporate prayer. Just an example from my own experience. A number of weeks ago, I was asked to lead a prayer time. I felt not... Um, logistically ill-prepared, but sort of spiritually kind of uh, frazzled. Uh, I don't know if that's a technical term, but uh, I felt kind of frazzled. I came into that prayer time. I kind of led a little bit, but everyone was there. who was there was so um, engaged in praying. I didn't pray a lot. I actually didn't end up leading a lot. I came away so encouraged, so blessed. Um, it, it gave me in that context of hearing people crying out to the Lord, kind of a, a unique opportunity to contemplate God in a, in a deeper way. I, I, I think I could make the case that I was sort of in contemplative prayer in that prayer meeting because of the, the, the spirit there and the, just the heart for God. So, scriptural truth is one meaningful prayer. What about authentic community? I believe that we can't um, fully contemplate on our own. You know, we need the insights of other people. And sometimes when we come together, for example, in a home group, and someone says something encouraging, I've heard many, many times people say, oh, oh yeah, I've never thought of it that way, or, or that's an interesting insight, and it, it will help stimulate us to being um, better in our uh, contemplating of God. What about uplifting music? Not all music is uh, obviously uplifting, right? But I put uplifting music, and I didn't put sacred music. Although I would suggest you listen to, you know, sacred music. But um, uplifting music, there are times I, I often have this experience Sunday morning. I choose a couple songs. I usually, depending how quickly I drive, it's between two and three songs from my house to hear on a Sunday morning. And I often choose songs that are really going to help me focus. Sometimes the song will be something I've been thinking about related to our topic. But uplifting music, and that might help you. You might say, if there's, if there's dead silence, my mind just kind of goes off and wanders. And but if there's music, I can just sit, I can listen to the truth of that music, or the beauty of that music helps me. Another is inspirational authors. I put it this way because sometimes prose helps us. Sometimes somebody's explaining a truth of God and it really helps us grasp. But uh, other times it might be a a poet who expresses in just beautiful phrases God's truth. And and that helps us contemplate God. It helps us be more lovingly attentive to God. What about sacred spaces? Now you might say, Okay, well, let's get one because I don't feel like this is a very sacred space. Ironically, I've been in some very, um, well, not yellow brick road type spaces or, you know, and, and the temperature always isn't perfect, right? In church, it's either too cold or too hot. It just seems like it's rarely, rarely just perfect. Um, but when I say sacred spaces, that, that could be a beautiful sanctuary, but, you know, it could be just a humble place. Um, many of you, how many have experienced just sitting around a campfire at Bible camp and singing, you know, things like that, or youth group? We used to sing and sing and sing in our youth group. And um, sometimes we'd be, I can, I can remember being in, on the island, you know, we would go out to a beach and we'd put a fire on and we'd sit around and we'd sing. That's a sacred, can be a very sacred space for people, a lot of contemplation of who God is and how he's speaking to us happens at Bible camp after a busy day of shenanigans and then you get you, you know you shepherd all these kids around the campfire and all of a sudden you know there's a bit of quiet and there's a hush and and, and it's just a sacred space right people are just looking at the fire and 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 God does some amazing work as the holy spirit speaks to people and the other a place I would say is unexpected places. So, uh, have you ever been in an unexpected place? You 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 would have never designed or thought that could be a place where you would engage in God in a deeper way than than you imagined. Maybe it's in an airport. You know, oh, I missed my flight. Instead of getting panicky, finding a quiet space, reading a passage. Um, I, I, this is not a commercial, but um, I, I have met God in Tim Hortons many, many times, um, or, or sundry other coffee establishments in our community, and it's simply because um, you know if you have God's Word and if you've got your phone with you and your head, fo- uh, and your ear, mabobs, m- whatever you call them, um, you've got worship, and you've got Word. And you've got a sacred opportunity, right? Uh, if, if, if you can just pause and reflect. Um, you know, it could be, oh, I didn't think, uh, you know, kids' soccer practice would go this long. I'm stuck here sitting in the car. i got to get places. Okay. Maybe turn Praise 106.5 on and have some music or just have the quiet or whatever opportunity it is. In in very unexpected places, God can really meet us. Um can you think of some of the unexpected places in Scripture? Deserts, right? Who's going to meet God in the desert? Evidently, He's really active there, right? From what we see in Scripture, or caves, or um, prison cells. You know, one of the greatest um, one of the greatest praise concerts. I don't know what their voices sounded like if they were beautiful, but you know, Paul and Silas singing away in the Philippian jail, right? Um, In unexpected places, we can meet God. So just think of those different contexts. And maybe um, when you've heard in the past contemplative prayer, you think, oh, that's for the odd uh, monks off in their cloisters. Um, And in fact, you know, the technical term for a monk's room is a cell, right? So I, I could never attain to that. Well, just before you write off contemplative prayer, think about, some of these contexts that might be very, very accessible for you. And it's an opportunity to engage with God in a, in a more lovingly attentive way. Uh, these notes are on Digging Deeper, of course, so check that out. And the link is there to the prayer course, which is, has been, I found it very, very helpful. It's just a, um, about a 12 to 15 minute listen to each session. So I just want to ask you, how are you in this area of contemplative prayer? You might think, what? Contemplative prayer? I'm just trying to remember to say grace before supper, you know. And now you're asking me to be contemplative. But I would really encourage you, don't allow Satan to convince you of this lie that not yet equals never. You ever feel that way? I don't. F- Satan brings that lie a lot in our Christian journey. I'm not there yet, so I probably will never get there, so why bother? You ever get into that? Um, Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life as we grow to be more lovingly attentive to God. I want to say we've got to cling to this next promise. This comes from Jeremiah chapter 29. God says, I know the plans I have for you. I've got plans to prosper you. And just so we know the context, this was at the conclusion of God punishing his people in the exile, and he's talking about redeeming them, and, and so there's been this period of brokenness, and in that time, God is saying, I've got plans to prosper you, there's hope, there's a future, and he says, and I think this is really essential, when you call on me and come and pray to me, I'll listen to you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. What's What's exciting to me is, it's it's an invitation to us to seek Him, but it's really God doing the revealing, right? It's not us figuring God out. It's God opening His heart wider and wider to us because we are more passionate in seeking Him. I want to close with a poem, and I and I got to say, um, uh, spoiler alert: this poem is written with some O- older English, but I've got the first phrase on the screen for you right now. It's wi- written by Frederick William Faber. He was alive in those years that you see there. And he's struggling in his poem with the, the, the distractions that come in prayer. I've often thought, well, if he wrote this in the mid-1800s and he was distracted, uh, I guess distraction in prayer has always been an issue. But would you listen? And then when I get down almost to the end, you'll see another phrase. I think what is the most important phrase. But just listen carefully to how Faber struggled with trying to be more contemplative in prayer and see how that applies to your experience and some of the hope that he expresses in this. Lord, I cannot pray, my fancy is not free. Unmannerly distractions come and force my thoughts from thee. The world that looks so dull all day glows bright on me at prayer. And plans that ask no thought but then wake me up and meet me there. All nature one full fountain seems of dreamy sight and sound which when I kneel breaks up its deep and makes a deluge round. Old voices murmur in my ear, new hopes start to life, and past and future gaily blend in one bewitching strife. My very flesh has restless fits. My changeful limbs conspire with all these phantoms of the mind, my inner self to tire. I cannot pray. Yet, Lord, thou knowest the pain it is to me to have my vainly struggling thoughts thus torn away from thee. Sweet Jesus, teach me how to prize these tedious hours when I, foolish and mute before thy face, in helpless worship lie. Prayer was not meant for luxury or selfish pastime sweet. It is the prostrate creature's place at his creator's feet. Had I, dear Lord, no pleasure found but in the thought of thee, prayer would have come unsought and been a truer liberty. Yet thou art oft most present, Lord, in weak, distracted prayer. A sinner out of heart with self most often finds thee there. For prayer that humbles sets the soul from all illusions free and teaches it how utterly, dear Lord, It hangs on thee. The heart that on self-sacrifice is covetously bent will bless thy chastening hand that makes its prayer its punishment. My Savior, why should I complain and why fear aught but sin? Distractions are but outward things. Thy peace dwells far within. These surface troubles come and go, like rufflings of the sea, but the deeper depth is out of reach to all, my God, but Thee. Lord, I just ask that even as we are thinking about You, we're pondering You, even we might say we're trying to be lovingly attentive to You, you right in this moment, I would just ask, Lord, that You would <clears throat> really bring this um, comfort home to our hearts that even in weak and distracted prayer, you can meet us. In in some respects, the weaker and the more distracted and the less um, contemplative we might feel, um, you are the one who is guiding that experience. It's not um, our powers of observation or our uh, educational level or any human endeavor that brings us into uh, a deeper relationship with you. It's your truth, your spirit, your grace that uh, that provides for this. And so we pray that we would uh, make space in our lives to receive um, the gift of your um, revealed truth, your spirit speaking to us and find the hope the encouragement the blessing just bringing ourselves to you weak as weak and distracted as we may be we pray in jesus name